Welcome to the Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant. We're so thankful that you've tuned in here on WCF Radio. On today's broadcast, we're going to tackle a very important subject matter. It's called deliverance. Is deliverance ministry legit? Is it in the Bible? What does the Bible say about the need for deliverance? Well, we'll talk about that and more on today's broadcast. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, welcome to today's broadcast. I've been looking forward to this show because we're going to go through, uh, here's the title. It's called Finding Deliverance, a Biblical Perspective on Freedom and Demonic Influence. It's an area that a lot of people don't want to talk about. You know, the concept of demonic possession and the need for deliverance has been a topic of intrigue and a concern, by the way, throughout human history. This isn't new. It didn't just come out of the blue. It's been something that Jesus actually did. In his ministry, he delivered people of demonic possession. But it's something that's taboo because people don't want to talk about it because it's kind of crazy if you think about it, but yet it's real. You know, from ancient times to the present day, uh, various uh, spiritual traditions have explored the subject matter of deliverance. And the, uh, this, this show aims to provide you a biblical perspective on how one can find uh, deliverance from demonic influence according to the teachings of the word of God, because that's what we want to do. We don't want to make anything up. We don't want to put in our own words. We want to talk about what the Bible actually says. So first, you know, we got to understand the, the reality of demonic influence. The Bible affirms the existence of supernatural beings known as demons. The Bible affirms this. There are beings known as demons. They fell along with Lucifer. Okay. And so they're real. And these uh, malevolent entities are fallen angels who rebelled against God and now seek to deceive and harm us and humanity. They're powerful, and they seek to disrupt God's purposes in the world. While their existence can be unsettling, it's crucial to remember that through Jesus Christ, believers have been given authority over them. There's a lot of people that feel like they, you know they're they're defeated. They're they're overwhelmed. And, you know, I'm under attack. I'm in spiritual warfare. And listen, if anybody understands spiritual warfare, I do. I understand that Satan is the accuser. People come against us. They accuse us. They attack us. They slander us. Uh, I've dealt with all different types of warfare. As we've gone deeper in the ministry, it's gotten more intense. Uh, they say new level, new devil. But what I've come to understand, kind of like Neo in the Matrix, is once you understand kind of the principles and everything that the Bible says about this, we also understand the truth is the fact that we have authority over this. That's what the Bible says. It says that believers have authority over the demons. And so we have to remember that God himself, Jesus Christ, gave believers this authority. Now, recognizing the need for deliverance, this is an area where people will say, well, come back next week. Come back five weeks from now, and we'll get you delivered. Listen, I'm not sending anybody back out there without getting them delivered right there and then. Because that's crazy. Why would I do that? If they're saying they're demon-possessed and we can see that they are, why would we send them and set up an appointment? This isn't a dentist appointment. It's deliverance. We've got to know how to do deliverance. Don't be scared of it. It's something that God has called us to do as believers. Don't get weird about it. We've got to know what it, what it is and how to do it. And that's why we're actually doing a training uh, here at the ministry on this subject matter. And the reason why is because I think that a lot of Christians are not taught about these things and they, they're ill-equipped because pastors skirt the subject. They don't want to talk about it, even though it's in the Bible. Um, deliverance refers to the process of being set free. 
from a demonic influence and oppression. And it's important to note that not all afflictions, struggles, or illnesses can be attributed to demonic influence. Some people are saying certain things are demonic when they're not. However, the Bible does speak of instances where individuals were genuinely oppressed by evil spirits. Uh, Number one, we're just going to go through this outline here because I think this is going to set you up for success. Acknowledging the power of Jesus Christ. The cornerstone of deliverance lies in recognizing the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus demonstrated his authority in his ministry over the demons during his earthly ministry by casting them out. Well, when did he do this? He did this in Matthew 8, 28 through 34. Let's turn there. Matthew 8, 28 through 34, and it says this. This is where Jesus restores two demon-possessed men. Starting in verse 28, it says, when he arrived at the other side, in the region of uh, Gadarens, two demon-possessed men coming from the tomb met him, and they were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you do? Uh, What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Uh, Continuing on in verse 30, it says, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus and they saw him and they pleaded with him to leave their region. Isn't that interesting? It kind of sounds like the church today. Don't perform miracles. Don't perform deliverance. Just get out of here. We don't want to deal with you. Was that really what should happen? Of course not. We need to get the people delivered. We have to address these matters. These are are urgent matters, and they're part of what we do as Christians. Christians have to know how to do what Jesus did. Jesus said in his word, we're going to do some of the things that he did and even greater things. Well, this was a part of his ministry. And I just find it interesting, too, that the demons came out, and then they went into the, the, the pigs And what happened? The pigs go off the cliff and they die. It just shows you that that's the ultimate goal of of the demonic. They want you to die spiritually and physically. They want you to rot in hell. You know, I've kind of been a little bit more out there lately and and just taken off the gloves, if you noticed, because I just feel at this point, the hour is so late. We just got to call a spade a spade. And I want Christians, I want you to be set up for success. I understand some people think this is taboo. I understand some people think this is extreme. I get it. But listen, I'm, I'm reading right from the Bible itself at what Jesus himself do, did. So anybody that thinks it's extreme, you got to take it up with Jesus. This is what he did. Uh, it was in Mark 5, 1 through 20, same thing. Luke 8, 26 through 39, same thing. He gave the same authority to his disciples. Where did he do that? Well, he did it in Luke 9, 1. Where do, where do you say that, Pastor Todd? This is what it says, Luke 9, 1. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them the power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. What? Does it say that? Yes. Luke 9, 1, right there. There's two big things here. Number one, the authority to drive out demons. That's that word ekbalo, go out, cast out, drive out, and to cure diseases. Why don't people believe this? Well, because they don't know the scripture. They don't read what the Bible says. It's plain as day. Luke 9, 1, right there for us to see. Just love the word of God, don't you? I mean, it's so plain as day. 
all these people don't want to argue over these things. It's like, I really just don't think they've read the scripture because if you read it, it's plain as day in, in, in some of these areas that people are arguing about. Obviously, there are demons. Obviously, God gave us the authority to drive them out. It's right here. Maybe, maybe we just haven't read it before. Number two, this is very important and yet another area that people aren't talking about. Again, I don't understand why. Other than the fact that they've been influenced to be dulled down, watered down, seeker sensitive, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's clear as day and it sets people up for success. It's repentance and surrender. Before seeking deliverance, it's crucial to examine one's life and turn away from sinful practices or lifestyles that may provide a foothold for demonic influence. The problem is that a lot of people haven't done this and you're trying to deliver them. It's not going to work. I'm not saying your prayers won't work. If you got somebody in the world and you're praying them out of darkness, I get it. But what you're doing is you're praying for their heart to be open because we have free will. But the Bible does say a prerequisite to coming to know Jesus is that we got to repent and turn from our sin. Again, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but it means that we're, we're, we're noting, we're, we're making the, the, the promise to God that we're going to do everything in our power not to live a sinful lifestyle repetitively. We're turning. We're, we're, we're not conformed to the things of this world, but what? We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we come to Christ, we're, we're a new creation. The old has died. And so you can't just go to church on Sunday and call yourself a Christian. You've got to turn from the past. And God will anoint you and appoint you, and, and you will have life more abundantly. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Amen? But repentance is critical. It involves the acknowledging of one's sin, seeking forgiveness from God, and from striving to live in obedience to his commandments. Surrendering one's life fully to Jesus allows his transformative power to work within bringing freedom and deliverance. Now, can you deliver yourself? I think you can. How do I know this? Because I've done it. Listen, I've been in the process of peeling away layers and layers and layers for about 25 years now. And I'm going to tell you something. When one thing gets done, God starts working on another with me. I, I, I really believe we got to be teachable. I believe we got to stay humble. We never can think we have it all figured out because we don't. We're ultimately learning until the day that we die. We're ever the student. The key is we're teachable. We're humble. We're contrite. We're surrendered unto the Lord. We're repentant of our sin. Our heart is for God. And if you do that, you're going to get the anointed. Because the anointing will come when you're willing to stand for righteousness and for the Lord and for his word. So God wants to set you up for success both in this world and for all eternity. But it requires repentance and surrender. It, you have to. Number three, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting play integral roles in the deliverance process. They're important. They're critical. Through prayer, believers communicate with God. We seek his intervention and his guidance. Fasting is the act of uh, abstaining from food or certain activities for a dedicated time period can enhance spiritual sensitivity and dependence on God. And, and God says in his scripture, some things only through prayer and fasting. It is a powerful tool for spiritual warfare and can be used in conjunction with prayer to seek deliverance. Now, can somebody else deliver you? Yes, through the power of Jesus Christ and his blood. But you have to be willing to receive the deliverance. There's some people that pretend like they're willing, but they go back to their vomit over and over again. They're not really ready. And that's why there's not a breakthrough in that area. 
And there may be a manifestation of a devil, a demon. Look, I see it a lot at the altar when the spirit is flowing after a service and we start praying for somebody and they start manifesting. But the person came forward in a surrendering state, um, opening themselves up in their members to saying, look, I, I want your prayer. I need help. And that's why we can deliver them at the altar. There's people that are demon possessed that sit in the audience. They don't come forward because they don't want it. And they pretend like they have no problem. And yet they haven't been delivered. And so I really believe after many years of doing this, that somebody has to want it because I've seen people stay in their muck and mire for years and years and years and never get healed, never get delivered. That's because they don't want it. They don't truly want it. They have not submitted their members. They have not surrendered. They have not repented. They want all the, all the attributes. They want all the good stuff that comes along with serving God, but they don't want to repent of their sin or turn from their unrighteousness. Well, how's that going to work? God is looking for us to surrender. And his Holy Spirit will come in and indwell in us as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So if we love him, we've got to do what he says in his word. It's not a book of rules that, you know, our life is going to be so boring because we're following all these rules. It's actually an abundant life. It's actually the best case scenario for us here on earth. Living in his perfect will. But prayer and fasting is important. Here's another one, number four, seeking wise counsel. The Bible encourages believers to seek wise counsel for mature, spiritually grounded individuals who can provide guidance, support, and biblical insights. It's important to approach deliverance with humility and a willingness to listen to the wisdom of others who have experience in spiritual matters. This is another problem. A lot of people think they know it all. Everybody's the chief these days. You notice this? People don't want to be submitted. They don't want to, they don't want to uh, share what it is in their life that's causing the problem. They just act like blessed and highly favored. No problem here. Meanwhile, your life's in turmoil. You go home, you're, you're in constant disagreement with your spouse. You guys are at war with each other. The home is a mess. You hide it because you're embarrassed. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, a lot of the fault of that is actually not yours. It's the church's. Because the church beats up our wounded. We sit there and we kick people when they're down instead of trying to help them up. That's exactly opposite of what the scripture says. We're supposed to sharpen one another. We're supposed to exhort one another. We're supposed to be a body. When somebody's down, that's when we go and we show them the love of Christ and we help them back up. We don't kick them. This is what the church has been doing my whole life. I've seen this. I know you have too. Been judgmental and attacking and smearing and sometimes even excommunicating people that are in their worst season when all they need is someone to love on them and help restore them. So we walk around judging these people. And I honestly think we got to think about this. Look, I understand if they're unrepentant, that's different. But if they're looking for help and we're excommunicating them and kicking them out of our church because something they did, we're missing the whole point of the gospel. So it's important for people to seek wise counsel. And we got to humble ourselves. Look, there's been times in my life and in my walk where I've had to humble myself. I had to seek counsel from mentors and elders. And look, I messed up. Thank God it wasn't something that was too bad and Praise God, you know, and people are saying, well, what are you talking about? I'm just talking about anything. Maybe I said something. Maybe I was angry. I don't know. Maybe I fought with my wife. Look, I'm not perfect. I tell you that all the time. But, you know, you have to be clear about this today. Otherwise, people will put words in your mouth. I say every time I preach, I am not a perfect person. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the key is that we're good repenters. 
And we know what the word of God says because faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. That's why I'm a, the main thing is the Bible. The main thing is the gospel. The main thing is going and making disciples. Sure, there's all extra, there's a lot of people that are making, you know, some area, let's give prophecy, maybe prophecy, that, that everything's about prophecy. It's not. Everything's not about prophecy. Prophecy is good if, it, if it's something that's from God and it's not false. But that's just going to help and exhort and encourage and go in line with everything else that God's doing in your life. It's not something that we have to have every single day. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Prayer and fasting, though, is something that we need to do, especially prayer. And I think fasting, too, because some things you can't get rid of unless you fast. God has asked us to do this because why? It shows that we're willing to not only come to him and to, to submit to him and to biblical authority, but also to go that extra mile and give up things that we enjoy just because we love God. And that blesses the Lord. Seeking wise counsel is important. Uh, Number five, engaging in spiritual warfare. Deliverance is often accompanied by engaging in spiritual warfare through the power of the Holy Spirit. This involves using biblical truths, prayer, and the authority given by Jesus Christ to confront and expel demonic forces. Remember, the victory has already been won through Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. It was won on the cross of Calvary, the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. It's the blood that sets us free. It's the, the, Jesus went in between us, sinful man and a holy God, and he bridged the gap. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believe in him shall not perish but have life everlasting. But we've got to get delivered of, of demons. We've got to be submitted. If you're listening to this right now, and you're like, Pastor Todd, I've flirted with Christianity for 20 years, but I've never quite gotten it right. I've never been able to fully submit. Well, that's, that's the whole problem. Today is the day. Listen, the hour is so late. Look what's going on around us. Look at our world. Look how crazy. Th- I mean, even atheists are recognizing now that demonic stuff is happening. How are they recognizing? Because it's that bad. It's so blatant. It's so in our face. And if you're in a war, If you're in a battle, listen, the Bible provides this framework for understanding and seeking deliverance from demonic influence. It emphasizes the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Repentance, surrender, prayer, fasting, seeking wise counsel, engaging in spiritual warfare. It's essential to approach the subject with discernment, seeking a balanced understanding of demonic influence while placing one's trust in the power and love of Christ Jesus. And by doing so, individuals can experience freedom and victory over the forces of darkness, walking in the light of God's truth and grace. Before we go today, I just want to go through the armor of God. Because this is what we do every day. We die to our flesh and we put on the full armor of God. And it's the armor of God. It's, it's when we're willing to die to our flesh and take a stand for the truth of the word of God and, and and give up repetitive sin and walk in consecration and holiness and purity that God's able to use us and take us to the next level in his calling on our life. So the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 11, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can uh, make your stand against the devil's schemes. Many are the plans of the wicked. That's not the scripture. I'm just saying that. There's a lot of plans in the wicked. The wicked have plans. They have plots. They have schemes. They have, you know, the devil has a plan for your life, but so does God. And that's why it's so important we get in line with God's calling, God's will, not what the devil would have for us. And if you put on the helmet of salvation, helmet of salvation, 
In Acts 4.12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Jesus, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. And the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this. It says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might be able to uh, become the righteousness of God in him. We've got to stand for righteousness. We've got to hunger and thirst for righteousness. This goes back to my sheep hear my voice and those that love me obey my commands. That's the scripture. What about the shield of faith? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. It, it, we can't always see what we need to have faith for, including God. We know God is here. We feel his tangible presence, but I don't see him with my eyes right now. But I know he's here. I know he's real. I know he's present. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move the mountain. What about in Proverbs 23.3? You know, we got to guard our loins or gird our loins with truth. It's the, it's the belt of truth, right? It says, uh, but the truth... Uh, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The truth sets the captive free, doesn't it? Yes. So let's go through this so far. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. Got our loins girded with truth. Uh, the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Let's read Hebrews 4.12. It says this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to divide, um, excuse me, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joins and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The sword of the spirit is the Bible. It's the only offensive weapon in the, in the armor of God. You know, when Jesus was taken by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, what happened? Well, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written why he was using the sword. He showed us how to beat the devil every time. When the devil lies to you, when he says something that's untrue, we come back at him and say, it is written. It is written the gates of hell will not prevail against me. It is written by your stripes. I am healed, Lord God. It is written no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It is written resist the devil and he will flee. The devil cannot withstand the truth of the word of God. In the name of Jesus, demons tremble and flee. We have the authority in Jesus' name. Listen, there's a scripture that says, I know Peter, I know Paul, but who are you? Well, who's the who are you? The who are you's are the compromised, the people that have allowed Lebanon, the people that have, have allowed, uh, you know, the, they're the church of Laodicea. They're lukewarm. And there's a lot of this going on. Barner Research says that only 10% of Christians, people that claim Christianity, actually are walking out what the Bible says as a Christian. The other, what, 90% aren't. That's pretty scary. It's the remnant. The body of Christ, the ecclesia, you know them by their fruit. You know them by their love. Finally, in the armor of God, it says the feet are shod with the preparation of peace. In Romans 10, 15, it says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And, and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm so thankful for God. I'm so thankful that I can have a peace that passes understanding. I'm so thankful that even in the middle of my trial, I know he's my rod and he's my staff. 
he lays me beside still waters. In fact, that's uh, Psalm 23. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that real quick. Psalm 23. Because I believe this is uh, equally very important for you to understand. And that's what we're going to end with today. Very famous scripture, Psalm 23. You've heard it before, but let's go through it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your cup runneth over. Listen to that promise in the, in the, in the verse 6 of, of Psalm 23. Surely the goodness and mercy will follow me how many days of your life? All. All the days of my life. And listen to this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just go back one verse there to uh, Psalm 23, 5. It says, thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. No matter what you're going through in your life, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the power. He can overcome the darkness, the devil's plans and schemes for your life. If you need to be delivered, go into the presence of the Lord today and surrender your heart, surrender your life, surrender your sin. Seek wise counsel. Seek elders and leaders in the body of Christ that know how to perform deliverance. These people are going to help you. The bottom line is there's a way out of darkness. You don't have to live in darkness. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can be healed today. You don't have to keep walking with these shackles on you. You don't have to keep walking with all this hurt and pain and things that people have said to you over the years. Think about it. What did God say about you? He promised you hope in the future. His promise is yes and amen. He says he's with you until the end of the age. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Put on the full armor of God and stand. And God is going to be with you through every trial, whatever trial. I know I'm speaking to somebody on here today. You're going through it right now. And you say, Pastor Todd, I don't know how many even get through this. But what I know is that God is moving. He's orchestrating in your situation. Call upon his name today. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is not done. He's not out of resources. He's not lacking. Remember, he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of those that are afflicting you, that are coming against you, that are accusing you, in the presence of those that are coming to, to take your joy and take your peace. What was meant for evil will be turned around for good in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. PastorTodd.org, PastorTodd.org, write us. If you want to support this broadcast, you can go to ToddCoconado.com slash give. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name.